Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone on you with the pick and roll. What is up? We are going with the pick and roll podcast. We are back for our second episode. I'm very excited today to talk Western Conference moves. Of course, you tuned in a couple weeks ago for our first episode. We talked about the Eastern Conference moves, talking about fantasy relevant players that are in different places. Um, so now we're going to talk about the big hitters, the heavy hitters. So I'm excited today, and I'm joined by, by my guy, Al Hunter. And I'm happy to be back, and uh, I'm ready to dive right into the wild, wild west. Yeah, so uh, going on with you with pick and roll, young Al Hunter, he's in sicko mode. And today we're going to give you that hot fire, just like we always do on the Pick and Roll podcast. Um, we're going to talk some, you know, we really, I'm curious to figure out here if some of these superstars are going to trend upwards from last season or go down. I mean, are they actually going to take a hit? Because what's going on now that we're seeing is a couple of these superstars going into situations where they have other superstars, where maybe last year they were just kind of the guy, so you could get those uh, guaranteed fantasy points. It's, it's kind of uh, interesting to figure that out. But, you know, before we get into that, obviously I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan. If you've ever followed me on Twitter at FFProfessorSD3, you know that I'm a big Kobe guy, I'm a big Lakers guy. I actually started out uh, in my journal, journalism, sports journalism career uh, writing for the Lakers in 2014. So – we want to just talk about our favorite Kobe moments. And this is going to be tough for you, Al. I know you're a Celtics fan. <laughs> Look, when yeah. it's Paul Pierce's birthday, we will talk about Paul Pierce's greatest moment. Hey, um, fair trade. I'm, I'm, I'm on board for that. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can't go through every birthday, but we'll do that one for sure. Um, so I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So start off with your uh, favorite Kobe moment. I mean, obviously, you have to respect the man's game, even though you're a Celtics fan. Yeah, it's tough to choose one, but I think I'm going to have to go with his final game against the Jazz, the 60 points. Um, I had a bunch of shares of him in that night in DFS. I wrote about him. I think I had him in every lineup. So uh, I want I want a nice piece of coin that night, thanks to the Black Mamba. And uh, even though he took 50 shots, 60 points is 60 points, and that was a hell of a way to go out. Yeah, that was a hell of a lot of shots, man. Yeah, when you look at those stats, it's just unreal that he could even – get up 50 shots in his last game uh, after 20 years in the league. Um, but, I mean, there's never been an example of a chip on someone's shoulder like Kobe. I mean, just so persistent and, you know, always, always until his last game coming at you. So, yeah, 60 points was really surprising, I think, for just about everyone. They kind of did them a favor that night. They didn't start uh, Rudy Gobert. Um, I don't know. I kind of was like, ah, you know, I think they're just – Giving a nod to Kobe on that one, uh, not starting him. But, um, yeah. yeah I, that, was the, that was the young Hayward days. I remember him in that game when he still had the long hair. Right, yeah. No, Hayward yeah. was uh, – and, you know, Hayward was uh, taking it easy on him, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, they were all, they were all letting it go in the last couple of minutes. Yeah, I mean, they, everyone was kind of bought into the moment, you know. Um, and they ended, they ended the game. Remember um, Kobe got the rebound, he uh, threw it out to Jordan Clarkson, he slammed it. Yep, yep. that's right. Oh, yeah, that's my guy, Jordan Clarkson, man. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was really cool, man. I was watching that live. I was like, oh, man, that's a good fitting way to end it. Um, of course, they traded Jordan Clarkson <laughs> soon after that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, if you kind of watch the games, you know, that we've, we've seen, all those moments that you can remember with uh, just 
countless game winners, you could probably, you know, see that he had that in him to to pull off a 60-point game in his last game. And one of those moments that kind of made me know that he was capable of just about anything on the basketball court was in 2004, last game of the season, there wasn't much on the line. You know, the the Blazers actually, and this was in Portland, Blazers were not a playoff team. But, of course, it was a hostile environment, last game of the season. You know, they had Gary Payton and Carl Malone out on this Lakers team, and you remember how dysfunctional that was. And it was like the the talent kind of rode them to a playoff spot, but, like, the whole team was just, like, it was falling apart. Yeah, it was an epic disaster, to say the least. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, you know, uh, of course, you know, prime Kobe, Shaq was still Shaq. He wasn't necessarily his prime years, but, I mean, there was two seconds left on the clock. Kobe gets the ball at the top of the key. They're down three, and the self-proclaimed Kobe stopper is there, and he plays solid defense, almost, you know, what he would have been ecstatic to lock down Kobe in that last possession. But, no, somehow Kobe gets it up. He pulls, like, a combination of Jordan's uh, old, like, pivot moves mixed with some of that Kobe behind-the-back crossover swag, puts up a hell of a shot, makes it, ties the game, goes into overtime. They're down two. (laughs) One second left in overtime. (laughs) Everyone knows that Kobe's getting the ball. I mean, if you listen to – like, I just watched the YouTube, and the Blazers commentators are like, okay, you know, if he makes it, he makes it. Whatever. Sure enough, Kobe sprints to Gary Payton at the sideline. Payton throws it in right to him. Kobe hits a fadeaway from like 35 feet over two guys. Game over. They're the second seed. So actually that determined them being the second seed that year. And that's kind of – I was watching that live actually as a, young, as a young kid being a Kobe fan. And when I saw that, like hit two of those shots just keep coming at you like that, I knew that he could really hit any shot on the floor. And – that was pretty much how he continued with his career. He would just hit any shot when the game was on the line, uh, no matter the degree of difficulty. So that was my favorite Kobe moment, even though he's had probably bigger games, right? Like playoff games and things like that. that but that, that's my favorite moment. That's a true moment by a true Lakers fan. That, yeah, it can't, yeah. can't get any better than that, man. Do you remember <laughs> that game? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Mamba I mean, mentality at its finest. Oh, yeah. No, no question, man. No question. Um, so let's get into it. Let's talk about Kobe's team, obviously, the Lakers. So, of course, it was Kobe's team. Now it's LeBron's team. Uh, so Anthony Davis is coming into town. I want to talk about his fantasy value, his fantasy outlook for the 2019 season. Uh, he's a perennial first-round pick. We know that Anthony Davis is a walking fantasy point. I mean, he gets onto the court and he scores a fantasy point, you know. He's a ridiculous basketball player when he's on the floor last year. He was frustrating. Um, Al, do you think that's going to carry over into this year as far as, like, people still being frustrated with him and maybe he can slip in your season-long leagues? Or is he just going to be a first-round lock? Uh, I still think he'll be a first-round lock. According to Yahoo's early drafts, I mean, there hasn't been many fantasy basketball drafts yet, but the ADP for AD is uh, 1.3 overall so (laughs) so I mean he's still definitely a top five pick um everybody got frustrated with him last year but a lot of that has to go into him not wanting to play but it also goes into his injury woes and hopefully that doesn't carry over fully into LA but 
I mean, AD is a given to miss at least 10 games a year. Right. So. And, and, you know, you figure with the Lakers how they manage LeBron, but they're probably going to do the same with, with Anthony Davis. Yeah, I would, I would have to think so, yeah. So we know per 36 minutes, Anthony Davis, 58.01 fantasy points per game. I mean, you love that kind of production, and we know that his ceiling is high because he's a double-double um, in that, like, 30 and 15 range. Uh, that are very, very, he's very, very capable of. Again, he gets you to three, four blocks um, and a couple steals. So, look, Anthony Davis, um, he's going to be solid this season. Um, do we think that there's a dip in his production with LeBron and company and Rondo and all those guys? Or do you think he can even get an increase in production with those kind of facilitators? I think it might be an increase. I actually think he might have his best season ever with LeBron. Yeah. And they kind of, um, he played with Rondo already a couple years back in New Orleans. They made it to the playoffs. They had a really good first round. Um, But um, I don't know if you saw the initial reports. They were saying LeBron was going to start the year at point. And I'm a big believer that LeBron makes everybody better that he's on the floor with. And I really do think he might get the best out of AD. And like I was saying a couple minutes ago, last year he didn't want to play. So we might see the most motivated Anthony Davis we've ever seen. So I I, I definitely expect big things. And – I don't know if I'm taking first overall in fantasy drafts, but he's definitely top five, top three. Yeah, and so we know that, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is out. Um, he, unfortunately, tore his ACL. Uh, would have been, you know, I think we would have been saying similar things about uh, DeMarcus Cousins as far as motivation, uh, but it's unfortunate that he's not there. So you got AD in that starting center spot. But breaking news here, Dwight Howard just signed with the Lakers. And this is deja vu. Did that, did that just happen? That just happened. Uh, wow, all right. <laughs> he bought out the contract with the Grizzlies, and he is now officially a Lakers. So that's interesting, right? Let's talk about the center situation, because I would have projected JaVale McGee to have a pretty nice season. Are, you think they're going to start Dwight Howard with AD at the, at the four? I mean, how's that going to look? I, I'm kind of thinking that's going to be the case. I think they still start McGee, and okay. I think AD will be at the four, and McGee at the five, and um, I think Dwight Howard is going to be the backup. And I, I think he's going to kind of jump into right what they had in, to plan with Boogie, but I mean we haven't seen Dwight in a while, so I wouldn't expect much at first. But he'll probably be a solid DFS guy. I mean Dwight's always been a good point per minute guy, but I don't think he'll start. No, I think they'll go with McGee. McGee was awesome last year. McGee was great last year, and of course, you know, he fits into the role with LeBron and Rondo. These guys are great, great passers, two of the best in the league. Uh, And then you got a guy like McGee who can jump up and get it, throw it down. Now they have three of those guys, really, with Dwight, McGee, and Davis. So does that kind of uh, hurt McGee's value? Because I think I I was projecting, you know, McGee for a decent season this year. Do you think Dwight Howard eats into that at all? Uh, I would expect still a decent season. Okay. There's, such a, there's such a big question mark with Dwight. I mean, uh, I can't I can't imagine he's going to jump right into like a 25-minute roll. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, but I think McGee will still have a solid season. He's so good on a – he only has to play 20 minutes, 25 minutes a game to really do right. well. Yeah, and then um, I, I feel like uh, Jared Dudley and, uh, and Danny Green are both, you know, on any given night can be solid DFS plays. Uh, it's going to be tough to determine which one to play on a given night. Yeah, um, going back to my other point, if LeBron actually starts at point, I think they'll go LeBron at the one, Danny Green at the, uh, Danny Green at the two, Kuzma at the three, then AD and then McGee. So that would, if LeBron starts the year at the one, that really kind of hurts Rondo's value in drafts. 
But, yeah, it's a good call. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens closer to the year. But if Rondo doesn't start, he's going to be not really fantasy relevant season in season long. I think Kyle Kuzma is being slept on. I, I think that he's still a great value in drafts and uh, in season long drafts. And you know, he's going to. I mean, obviously DFS he is going to get expensive at a certain point, so it's going to be tough to play him most nights. But for season long, he's still very valuable. I think we might actually start the year with him at a cheaper price because yeah. a lot of his re, his rebounds are going to be gone with AD now in town. And uh, but I'm with you. Kuzma still is the three point threat. He still has a ton of confidence. He's still going to be gunning. And uh, the guy we're not really talking about because I mean we don't really need to is LeBron. But yeah. I really think LeBron's assist rate is going to skyrocket. And as much as we are saying AD is motivated, LeBron has to be motivated this year. This is. I mean, no offense to the Lakers, Steve, but this is – you got you know what I mean? This is make or break for them. Oh, yeah. This season. Yeah, that LeBron has LeBron has to show up and be an MVP candidate this year. No question. And if he's playing that point guard role, if he's playing that Magic Johnson role, uh, he's going to get uh, that assist bump for sure. Um, oh, yeah, so. he's going to be a double-double lock every night. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, you know, it, motivation is a big question we got for the Lakers right now. And, you know <laughs> – yeah, hopefully, you know, if you're playing them in DFS, you know, certain nights you're going to get those, you know, when get those games when they actually come to play. Um, but, you know, it, it's such a talented team. So I, I think there's value there with like the guys like what we were talking about, Kuzma. Um, but Anthony Davis is going to have a hell of a year. Um, so him, let's, him, and, him and LeBron should both have hell of a year. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I think that you're getting a, a value in LeBron right now. I don't know. How? But I was in an industry mock draft uh, for for fan tracks. I was invited by my guy Adam King, and uh, who who you're familiar with too. Um, yeah, yeah. Win that mock draft with me? No, he asked me to do it. I, I forget. I couldn't do it. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I know because I know we did that piece uh, for our um, for our hot takes. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So LeBron fell into the back half of the second round. That's wow. That's yeah, insane. no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Zion went ahead of him, man. So, you know. I remember you guys tweeting me about, like, everybody's rosters. And I, you guys, someone was saying they had to stretch for Zion. I, right. I didn't, but I didn't know he went Le, before LeBron. No way. Right. That's – no. That's lunacy. So, let's talk about Russell Westbrook moving on to the Houston Rockets because I think this is an interesting case, too, where kind of similar, you know, you had AD in New Orleans and he got a big chunk of that usage. Now he goes with LeBron. Now we have Russell Westbrook. Uh, going to uh, a James Harden-led Houston Rockets club. And what do you project for Russell Westbrook's usage, usage Al? Like, is he that walking triple-double still, or is it going to change? I think it's going to change usage-wise for sure. Last year, he had a 30.9% usage rate, which is obviously one of the highest in the league. And he got 34 triple-doubles. But um, his usage has to take a hit. This is still going to be Harden's team. They're still going to run the offense around Harden. And Russ is going to have to learn to play off the ball, kind of like uh, the way we saw Chris Ball play these last couple of years. And um, I've kept saying this to people that talk to me about it, but uh, I think Houston is definitely going to be the most interesting team to watch, if failure or good. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Russ and Harden work. And it's because they're, like I said, they're both two of the highest usage players in the league. And Russ is definitely going to have to change. And Harden's also going to have to change. I still think Russ is going to be a good pick and play in fantasy and DFS, but I don't think it's going to be anything like last year. Right. So we had three straight seasons of averaging a triple-double for Russell Westbrook. 
I'm, yeah, with wow. you. I'm with you, Al. I think this is going to break the streak this year. Um, yeah, I do think. Do you think it works? So, when I think about it, you know, logically from a basketball perspective, I would rather have Chris Paul on the wing while James Harden does his dribble drive stuff because I think that Chris Paul is the better set three point shooter um, than, than Westbrook. For- yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, He's more consistent. While Westbrook can get into those hot streaks, so can Chris Paul. So when I look at it from that perspective, it would make way more sense if Westbrook was the primary ball handler. And that way that you have a shooter in the corner like a James Harden, because they need, just need to alternate more often than not. Because if it, they get into a situation where it's just Harden, ISO, 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 He's going to get into a situation where he's, you know, double team, he kicks it out to Westbrook, Westbrook's going to brick. Um, and that's just not ideal for the Houston Rockets. Now, as far as Russell Westbrook, look, if he's working on his shot and he can be that consistent shooter, I would draft him with the understanding that that could be his upside, meaning that he could increase his usage from three-point land. That's a potential outcome that I'm seeing. Now, the, the, the assist, as far as I'm concerned, probably going to dip. Um, he's still going to be a tenacious rebounder. I still think that he's going to get around seven or eight in both, category, uh, in both categories. So you're not losing too, too much, but the, the chances of the triple-doubles aren't going to be there for Westbrook as they were uh, last year. Yeah, he had 34 last year. Um, right. I think he'll still get triple-doubles. I still think Harden will get triple-doubles. But I just don't see those massive stats on unless one of the other one is out, you know. And when they play together, it's going to be – it's either going to be button heads or they're going to both begin their numbers, but not to the certain point of last year. I think Click Compella actually sees an in- increase as long as he's healthy. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, just because, I, I, you know, Harden's ability to use the big – Westbrook is just as good. Obviously, we've seen Westbrook for years set up Steven Adams for easy shots. Um, so I think he can do the same with Clint Capella. Um, Eric Gordon takes a bump. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. He's going to take a little bit of a bump there. But then, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting because, you know, maybe he can be more open for threes. You know, obviously there's, there's going to have to be more, um, you know, they're going to have to, Defenders are going to have to pay more attention to Westbrook and Harden. So maybe that leaves Gordon by himself in more situations. But I see it as a bump for Eric Gordon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Eric Gordon's still going to be solid. Just I, I wouldn't expect a big difference in his numbers. Um, the thing that's going to change dramatically, I think, is their pace. Uh, OKC was second in pace last year compared to Houston. It was 22nd. And wow. as we all know, Westbrook is, you know, back to front, head full of steam. And um, – he's definitely going to bring more fast break to them because Houston last year, it was all about Harden dribbling up and doing his thing. And I think that might change because naturally that's the way Westbrook is, you know, he gets the ball and he wants to go. And I think they're definitely going to be more up in pace, but the other change that's going to happen is they're definitely going to be worse on D. Um, People might doubt him now and think Chris Paul's older, but what last year he led all guards in real defensive plus minus, and three of the last four years, he's led point guards in real defense and plus minus. And last year, when he was off the floor, Houston was – their defensive rating was 7.7 points worse. Hmm. So, I definitely think – and we all know Westbrook isn't the greatest defender. Last year, he was negative .08 in defensive rating, which is 32nd among point guards. And 
I think that's going to be a big drop for them. And they're definitely going to be some of the highest scoring games of the night because they're definitely going to be one of the best offenses in the game. But I also think they're going to be one of the worst defenses. So on that logic, you know, a lot of uh, Rockets are going to have great value that, other than Westbrook and, and Harden. So which one would you say has the best value, increased value with Westbrook coming to town? Which, one, which other player? Yeah, which other player besides, besides Westbrook and, and Harden? Uh, I'm with you. I think, I think Gordon is definitely – he's definitely the safest one to take. Okay. Um, and you, I definitely go to your point, too, about Clint Capella in, increasing. But if I was going to draft another player on the Rockets, it would be Eric Gordon. Okay. That's fair. Um, so, you know, the, the team that Chris Paul went to, obviously traded for Russell Westbrook, is the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm kind of interested in this team uh, from a fantasy perspective. Um, you know, Steven Adams still there. Um, so, you know, Dennis Schroeder finds himself, unfortunately, in a, uh, in a backup role. I don't know if they're going to, what they're going to do at that two guard, if they're going to start uh, Shea Alexander or uh, Schroeder. I imagine they would start Schroeder. So I'm kind of looking at Schroeder as, you know, potential value at kind of like the end of your draft where people aren't really thinking about taking him. Yeah, definitely. Um, people are definitely going to be sleeping on him this year. Absolutely. With Chris Paul and SGA in town. Yeah, are you, are you viewing Shea Alexander as the backup point guard right now, or do you think that they just are going to keep Schroeder coming off the bench? I think they'll keep Schroeder off the bench because that's okay. been the trend with his career. I think they'll start CP3 at the one and SGA at the two. So in, in that case, I mean, SGA gets a big bump from last year and is probably a player that has some tremendous value in fantasy basketball. Um, I, I just think that especially if you consider Chris Paul's health, um, or, or lack thereof the past couple of years. I mean, SGA would find himself in a really good role without Chris Paul on the floor. Yeah, and the other thing is there's a chance Chris Paul's not part of Oklahoma the whole year. Exactly. So if he, and if he gets traded, SGA is going to go way up. And that's something that you should definitely consider when you're drafting uh, Shea Alexander because that's definitely a possibility. Um, I'm kind of seeing Steven Adams as a downgrade uh, without Westbrook. What was your call on that? I mean, I mentioned it briefly earlier. I mean, Westbrook, a lot of his assists over the past few years have been to Steven Adams. I mean, it's an easy assist for Westbrook, and he knows it. He knows to look inside. Um, he really has that, that UCLA point guard mentality of, of get the ball into the big man. Um, I, I just don't know if anyone else is going to have that as much as Westbrook did. Yeah, Westbrook has it in that way that he's selfish for his assists almost. You know sure. what I mean? He, yeah, he wants to get that triple-double, so he'll find Steven Adams for the easy two, whatever it takes. But I think Chris Paul's a better passer than Westbrook, and if Chris Paul is there for a majority of the season, 40 games or something, um, I definitely think Chris Paul is going to find Steve Adams often. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the Warriors. I'm excited about this. I mean, you know, we're both – pretty big D'Angelo Russell fans. I think we both respect his game. We both like to watch him play. Um, unfortunately, last year he was pretty inconsistent. You just didn't know which night to start him in DFS. I mean, we talked about that uh, all the time because, you know, he was got pretty pricey at the end of last season. He was always in that, like, $8,000 range. Um, so you really had to make a decision. Sometimes it paid off, sometimes it didn't. I think he's going to be more consistent this year on this Warriors team. I mean, obviously, it's a better offense. You got Steph Curry. Um, without Klay Thompson, D'Angelo Russell's going to get a lot of volume from three-point land. Yeah, I, he should fit in pretty well with Klay out. 
because he's he fits perfectly into that run and gun. Yeah. Um, but but I, I don't I don't know if his numbers are going to be as good as they were last year in Brooklyn. His usage has to take a dip playing next to Steph, don't you think? I would think that he's definitely going to uh, not handle the ball as much, which could yeah. eat into yeah, it's definitely going to eat into his usage. But I think that that almost could balance out because of the role he's in right now. Um, so I, I'm looking at like, look, if Steph has the ball, that's not the worst thing in the world because Steph also is a good passer and that system Draymond is out there to move the ball around as many times as we've seen clay, one of the greatest shooters of all time open, we're going to see Russell open too. And, you know, that's just the system that the warriors are running right now. So yeah, his usage is going to be down as ball handling and that could like cap his ceiling for assists and numbers like that. But I mean, I know that he had a big year shooting the three last year. I just think that it can be around that, um, if not exceed last year in terms of uh, sheer volume. Now, I'm viewing it as that Clay Thompson isn't going to play next year. I might be wrong on that. And, you know, that's something we have to look into as, as fantasy drafters is can Clay Thompson realistically come back? And I, I just don't know if he can at tearing his ACL in the finals. Um, if he does, it's going to be pretty late into the season. Yeah, and they were talking about D'Angelo Russell would be traded at the deadline, weren't they? They were kind of saying – that was like a rumor, wasn't it, that the Warriors just got him and they're going to eventually deal him? Definitely. Yeah, it's kind of – I read something like, it's not a matter of if, but when. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, the guy, obviously, though, the guy to take from the Warriors this year is Steph. He, yes. could, he might end the year as the number one fantasy point scorer. Um, Without KD, he's averaged the last three years without KD, he's averaged 56.7 DK points per game. So that's a massive increase. And um, he's just going to be gunning every night. He is going to carry the team. And even though D'Angelo Russell's in town, I think it's going to be the Steph show. And I could honestly see him being the first overall pick in some fantasy drafts. And he's going to hover around $10,000 on a nightly basis on DK. You're going to have to try to temper my expectations with Willie Colley-Stein because I'm, <laughs> like, I'm all for it. I'm seeing a big year for Willie Colley-Stein. Yeah, he sh- I mean, yeah, he should jump into a solid role. He should be like a 25 to 30 in that guy. I would think so. It seems as if they've tried for a couple of years to get a center like Colley-Stein with some of the young guys they brought in that just didn't work out, um, yeah. like, like Jordan Bell. Um, and now they got a guy who can jump out the building um, and can just be a little bit more efficient uh, defensively. I think he's going to be great for this team. Um, and they also made a little sneaky signing too. Um, with or maybe it was a trade. They got the center from the the uh, the Hawks. What's his name again? Spencer or something? The the Warriors. They got uh didn't they get Bembry or something? Drew Bembry. No, it wasn't Bembry. It was it was, he was a decent score last year for the Hawks when he played. Um, I'm blanking on the name right now. Me too. I'm blanking on it too. Uh, It was kind of a sneaky signing. I think that he's, you know, worth a look um, because if anything were to happen to Kali Stein, I kind of view him as. Oh, they got a Omari Spellman. Omari Spellman. I don't know why I was thinking Spencer or whatever, but. I always mix him up in those. They have so many hot bums on the Hawks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But when Spellman got in, he actually was, was decent and he kind of fits in that, uh, that role pretty nicely. So he's just another name to to 
to kind of put on your radar. I wouldn't be drafting him in season-long leagues. But Kali Stein, definitely a, a big bump from last year. I think he's the biggest beneficiary here. Um, but you're right. Like, Steph Curry, you know, if people are down on him from last year for whatever reason, jump all over that uh, with a good value, like, late in the first round if, if, if he can fall somehow. Um, and then D'Angelo Russell, I think, again, you know, it's going to be tough because you're going to have to buy him at his ceiling. So that's going to be a tough one. You, you, if there's value around there that you feel like is better, it's a little bit more of a ceiling, I would grab that. But I think DeAndre Russell in this role is going to be solid. I think the be- Steph is obviously the best play to get from here. But uh, I think the next best guy in a great value in fantasy drafts is Draymond. Um, last year when KD was out, he scored 7.2 more DK points per game. And his ADP right now is only 35, which is right around the same as DeAndre Russell. And- I think I prefer Draymond. And uh, Dray- Draymond does – Draymond was so much better without Boogie last year too. And Willie Cauley-Stein coming into town gives more usage to the other players because Willie Cauley-Stein is last year, his usage was 17.8 compared compared to DeMarcus Cousins, who was 28.7. So that's almost a 10% difference. So the ball is going to be with everybody else more than it was last year when Boogie was around and KD, obviously. Right, not to mention KD, exactly. So, yeah, that ball is going to move. You're definitely going to see, like, that old-school Warriors ball. Um, Absolutely, with, yeah. Uh, KD and, and DeMarcus in there. So, everyone's going to get a lot. Everyone kind of gets a bump just because of that alone. So, um, yeah, yeah I, th- I think Kali Stein, D'Angelo, and, and Steph, and Draymond, yeah, that those are definitely locked and loaded fantasy plays. You're probably getting the most value, like you said, with Draymond, who uh, isn't necessarily a hot name, but you know, look, that that usage is is real. Um, so, yeah, so, and he's a triple double threat, no matter what. So. Exactly. Yeah, that's that upside that Draymond gives you, um, and then yeah. of course, you know, the steals as well. So, yeah, yeah exactly. He, he always fills up the stat sheet. Uh, so let's talk about the Jazz. Um, Mike Conley. Uh, one of my favorite players in, in the league uh, finds himself in a, in a pretty solid role with a, you know, a playoff team in the Utah jazz. So just good for Conley to get out of, you know, Memphis and onto a playoff team. Uh, how do you view Conley? I mean, obviously last year when he played, he did well for your fantasy team. He was a great DFS play because he was always undervalued. Are you viewing him as maybe like a downgrade just because he has to play with Donovan Mitchell? Uh, no, I actually think it's going to be an upgrade. Um, like we were going back when we were talking about the Lakers, I think the motivation is going to be there for Conley. He's finally, after a few years of being stuck in Memphis without any plan or where to go or what their idea of goals are, now he actually is on a team that is a legitimate, uh, excuse me, a legitimate contender. And I think his motivation is going to bring him right back into being a top 20 fancy point guard. And I, I think – yeah, I think Conley's not going to be drafted as. I mean, he's going to be drafted on the back end of that. You know, he's not going to be drafted as a top ten guy, obviously. Um, so he's going to be, you know, probably around like fifteen to twenty uh, when you're drafting in season long. And look, that's that's his floor. Yeah, his Yahoo current ADP is forty point four, which is right around Robert Covington, D'Angelo Russell, Siakam, Otto Porter, Draymond. And I, I think he's definitely a value in that range. Definitely. I mean, we, all right, so you're on the clock. Michael Conley or D'Angelo Russell? Michael Conley. And what are you chasing there that, that D'Angelo can't give you? Uh, I'm chasing that I think Conley might actually run this jazz offense to the best of its ability. 
And I think Donovan Mitchell's going to play way more off the ball. And I think with Donovan Mitchell's usage going down, I think uh, Conley's going to have one of his best seasons in a long time. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, the, the fact that, you know, they're going to be in meaningful games at the end of the year is one thing that he's never, you know, you haven't had with Michael Conley in, in quite a little bit. Um, yeah. And so the, the assists are definitely, I think there's a big ceiling there for his assists. Um, he could easily, you know, I, I think be top 10, top eight in assists per game uh, in this kind of style of offense. Um, so I, I've always thought Mike Conley was one of the most underrated, like two way players in the game. And it's kind of been sad to see like what's been going on with him in Memphis. I mean, they, they definitely paid respect to him by shipping him somewhere that matters, but these last couple of years have meant nothing. They really haven't. So when he's been playing, even though he's done solid fancy wise, the games haven't mattered to any point. So now that he's in Utah, I think it's a fresh new start. I think he's just going to be ready to really put up some solid numbers. Yeah, for sure. I think I would take D'Angelo just for the, like, I feel like there's more upside with him. It seems as if like, this this is the kind of situation for D'Angelo that like you would hope for, in my yeah. opinion. Just like this high scoring offense, which, you know, look, it could maybe not be as high scoring as it has in the past couple of years. We don't know. This is a new kind of uh, age for for the Golden State Warriors without KD. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I would just play the upside there with a higher scoring team as opposed to, which I think as opposed to getting the assist and like the, the filling up the stat sheet with which Michael Conley can give you. Um, but all the other names you named, I would definitely get Conley. Um, I think, yeah, I think D'Angelo in that point guard position. Yeah. I think D'Angelo and Conley are both kind of underrated in drafts, but like I said, I would sign with Conley, but you would sign with deloading. I get it though. Yeah. And, but like you said, like what, 40 overall. Uh, is, yeah. 40.4 is Conley and D'Angelo is 39.2. So they're basically the same pick. I think Donovan Mitchell is ready for a big season now that he has a point guard, uh, a solid point guard by his side. See, I, I disagree. I think, I think yeah. that Conley comes into town, and I think that takes a lot off Donovan Mitchell's shoulders. And now he's going to play – like I say, he's going to play more off the ball, and I think his usage is going to take a sizable dip. To the, and I, I'm not saying he's not going to have a good year. Like, he's definitely going to have a good year. Donovan Mitchell's awesome. But fantasy-wise, I think he's definitely going to have a dip. In my opinion – you know, with a guy like Donovan Mitchell, you want him to be more off the ball. And I think that that's going to reflect in fantasy. I know that, you know, the, when, you know, when he was on the floor last year without Ricky Rubio and he was running the point, his fantasy points, they, they soared. They went through the roof, you know, compared to when he had Ricky Rubio on the floor uh, just because he was playing that point guard. But I think that now that he has somebody like a Michael Conley, who can take that pressure off of him because Rubio wasn't necessarily taking pressure off of him. Yes, he wasn't getting as much usage, but it doesn't, you know, defenses don't really have to scheme for Ricky Rubio scoring the ball. Michael uh, Conley yeah. is a threat scoring the ball. Um, so I think that's going to leave a lot of open looks for Donovan. Uh, it's just going to get him involved more. Like there was, you know, he, Donovan Mitchell had low scoring games last year where you were like disappointed that you wanted him around that 25 points and he would give you like 17, 16. I think we're going to see a more consistent Donovan Mitchell in the scoring category where to your point, yeah, if he's not running the point as often, yeah, the other stats suffer. Um, but I don't know if they're going to, I think again, it's going to be a balance, uh, a balancing act and one that's going to see Donovan Mitchell uh, excel, especially when, you know, last year, I, I viewed last year 
for Donovan Mitchell as a slight disappointment in fantasy. Definitely. I completely agree. So I, I think that maybe, you know, you for me, like you got a little bit of an upside, but you know, if you're looking at it, like Michael Conley is going to take away the usage, which he is. And if that's going to hit hurt uh, Donovan Mitchell, then you have to consider that both of those are potential outcomes. I think um, any, any, um, well, it kind of it kind of depends on what their plan is. You know, they might still integrate um, Donovan Mitchell at the one and Conley plays off the ball. But I don't know. My general idea is that they would just do Conley at the one. I think he's more of a natural point guard versus Donovan Mitchell. Definitely. And maybe sometimes they might, they would do that. Um, yeah, they might. I mean, they, they're both going to handle the ball a good amount. But. Sure. The one thing that gives them the luxury that they didn't have with Rubio is if they do that, then Conley is a great spot-up shooter. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Rubio is, as we all know, he can barely shoot out there. So, And he was, put, he was put in a position a lot of times to shoot. Yeah, yeah. But, like, back to your point, it was more that sometimes that nobody has to pay attention to Rubio as a shooter. So, Right, exactly. Yeah. But they, it bring, Conley coming brings them a whole new level, I think. It's a whole new threat now. I think their pace of play could increase a little bit. I mean, I know that, you know, Conley has been in the uh, – in the system of Memphis where, you know, they were kind of a gritty defensive team and, you know, their pace of play was never really that high. Um, but I think that, that, you know, they're going to be a better scoring team this year while still being a defensive team. They're still going to be a better scoring team. Um, oh, they're, st- they're definitely still going to be a defensive juggernaut. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that, of course, you know, brings us to uh, Rudy Gobert. Um, I-, I think he's about the same. I, I think that uh, Joe Ingles could be the beneficiary here, though. I, I think Gobert is definitely going to have a similar season. Um, his health is just always kind of the question. If he's healthy the whole year, he's going to get you 40 points a night. Um, Ingles is always a solid value. I don't mind taking him late in drafts. And I don't really think Conley comes in and affects uh, Ingles. If anything, it might help him, like you were just saying. Yeah, exactly. I'm just kind of seeing the ball spread out a little bit more here now that they have Conley in there. Hopefully he can stay healthy. I think this Jazz team could be a sleeper as far as like fantasy points all around. Um, so let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about your boy Hassan Whiteside real quick before we get into the clips. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, I say that I say that jokingly. Um, so look, man, Whiteside. I think he could be absolutely awesome in this situation. I just don't know what to expect. I don't think he's going to be consistent enough, and he's going to frustrate you if you draft you draft him. I can't condone drafting him unless he just slips and drafts. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to slip that much, but um, he might though. He's, he's a name. Not, he's yeah, a he's, name. he always is a name, yeah, because, I mean, he could put up huge numbers when he's motivated. Um. And that's kind of what Portland's hoping is that he comes to an actual or a better situation than Miami was and that he'll be more motivated. I, I think he's an okay value. He's just someone I hate. I really do. I think he's such an idiot. I think he doesn't care in any way. And, um, but the, I, I actually think Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum might benefit from Hassan being there because Hassan, even though he gets the ball out, he's definitely a slightly usage uh, used player than Nurkic. So that's gonna right. put the ball. That's gonna put the ball on the guards' hands more. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that um, you know he's never really been in this situation where he's anchoring a, a team that is going to be competing for like a top five spot in the Western Conference. So it'll be interesting to see how Whiteside responds. Um, do you have his ADP in front of you by any chance? 
Uh, let me look real quick. All right. Well, look, Hassan Whiteside has always been a great fantasy point per minute kind of guy uh, with the Heat. He's going to get you blocks. He's going to have big games. Um, but, you know, the, his usage was so all over the place that it was just hard to kind of get a read on Whiteside. His if current a, ADP is 68.1. Look, if, so he's, like a, if he's a 25-minute-a-night guy, I think you're okay with Whiteside. Yeah, it's 60, 68's not a bad range to get him. That's like the seventh round. I, I mean, I'm not against that. The, yeah. the, play, the, the other bigs that are going in his range are Steven Adams, Larry Nance, Marcus All, uh, Sabonis, Wendell Carter. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't mind taking the chance that Hassan actually figures it out in that, in that range. Yeah, it seems like talent is sides with Whiteside there amongst the names that you just mentioned. I mean, obviously, Marcus All usage is pretty low. Now that he's a Raptor, I'm not really projecting him for a big season or anything. So, yeah, the upside is there with Whiteside in that range. Yeah, I, the upside's always there, but I don't know if I'm going to be a part of it. Exactly. <laughs> okay. yeah, he's, he's a risk. He's a risk. I mean, he's yeah. kind of like – he's. I can kind of compare him to like Josh Gordon in uh in, in fantasy football. Like if he plays and he you know is on the field, like he's gonna produce. And the same thing with with Whiteside. Yeah, yeah, but you know Whiteside's always gonna get get under his coach's skin, ride the bench for a couple games. Just always something. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see though. I'll give him a chance. He has a very young man's mentality, and he's not that young anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and he's already gotten paid. So. Yeah, no, he's good. Yeah, he's he's still messing around with his friends and just like living like a kid's lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about these Clippers. Uh, man, what a powerhouse they're going to be! And I don't know if you saw. Did Did you see the the new branding that they're doing? How the the court's going to look for the Clippers games at uh, at Staples? Yeah, it's kind of looking like uh, NWA a little bit. Didn't you get that vibe? Yeah. It, yeah. It like it reminds me of uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, with the black. I like it. I'm interested. To, have they revealed the jerseys? Uh, no, I, don't, I haven't seen them at least. But it, it feels like the West Coast version of what Brooklyn has already done. Like, exactly, yeah. Because those are, that's the city edition of their court. So they're going to have city edition jerseys. Right. They should be pretty fresh. Um, that oh, would, I'm that sure, would, yeah. I, I, bet, I bet Kendrick is going to get a jersey of like a Kendrick Lamar jersey, that would be cool. I would want that. <laughs> right, even with the Bumble logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So talk to me about these Clippers, man. Like, can we really see Paul George or Kawhi having any sort of increase to what they had last season? Because both had MVP caliber years in fantasy and in real life. No, I don't, I don't think we're going to see any increase. Um, I think they're both going to kind of even each other out a little bit. I think Kawhi is going to be – I think he might be the better score overall, but I think Paul George might be the safer bet because Paul George might end up playing more games. Um, Kawhi missed – yeah, Kawhi averaged 46.1 DK points per game last year, but he missed 22 games. And he already said during – when the Raptors were in the finals, he said he didn't think he would have been there if they didn't do the load management. If they didn't rest him all those games, he didn't think that he'd be playing in the finals. And even when they – at the press conference when he was being revealed as a Clipper, he said they're going to take it as a game-to-game basis about load management. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's going anywhere. And, um, and Doc's smart. He knows this. This is like a three-year plan. I mean, they, saw, uh, they signed Kawhi, Paul George, and Beverly to three-year deals. And Doc knows that it's all about the playoffs. And if Kawhi actually insists on this, I think they're going to prioritize his health. 
So, and it kind of, I think they're going to bring that into Paul George too. So I think both of them are going to have the team to themselves on like once a week. And when the other one's out, the other one's going to be a stud. You know, when Kawhi's – Yeah, when Kawhi's playing without Paul George, Kawhi's going to be a stud. When Paul George is playing without Kawhi, which is definitely going to happen quite a bit, double-digit games, Paul George is going to be a monster. So. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard played 60 games last year. I would imagine he plays around 60 games this year. Yeah, I mean, why Kawhi proved his point of low management. We all made fun of it during the regular season, but – it worked. So I, I don't think they're going to change their plan. And, and Paul George always had his issues with his shoulders. So Doc's obviously going to give him nights off too. Like this team isn't fighting for the first seed. This team is fighting to win it all. They don't care about what seed they are, you know? So. Yeah. You know, the Kawhi's run last year ending with the championship and then as well as he played, which I mean, it's one of the best playoff runs we've ever seen. It is not great for all of us who hate this load management because it is just the perfect example of how it does work for the success of the team and the success of the player. Yeah. I mean, he's still talking about it. So he, he definitely still wants it. He's like, like he he's, he's like the load management advocate. He's just like, he's the billboard model of it right now. And we can't, no one can doubt it anymore. I mean, the guy's finals MVP for the right. second time. So it's, and, uh, but back to your point, Paul George did have a career year last year. He averaged 49.1 DK points per game, which is a career high. So. Yeah, he was outstanding last year, man. Um, and, you know, I, I think a little bit, bit of that had to do with playing with a guy like Westbrook, who is, you know, believe it or not, a willing passer um, and also recognizes, you know, the flow of the game. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, he doesn't really have a true point guard with Patrick Beverly. Um, so it's that could be interesting, too, because, you know, you look at, like, Paul George or Kawhi are going to have big usage as far as like ball handling. Cause like, who's really bringing up the ball. Um, do you think that Patrick Beverly uh, gets any sort of increase or is it really about the same with Beverly? I would say it's about the same, yeah. um, but Beverly's always a nice pick in later rounds and he's always a good play in DFS cause he could get you six steals, six or seven steals. And that changes your night. That changes your whole team. And this, I mean, this defense is going to be unbelievable. Don't you think Beverly, Paul George and Kawhi, it's gonna imagine, be yeah, imagine coming down the court and facing those three guys. You switch off one, you got the other. It's, it's scary. <laughs> I think uh, I think Zubac can be pretty sneaky this year. And, like, I, I know that, you know, you think people were calling for it last year, but it didn't really happen. Uh, but I think Zubac in this situation could be pretty sneaky. Yeah, Zubac is always good when he gets decent playing time. Right. I, I, I don't have it on him, but he definitely averages over a point per minute fantasy-wise. And, uh, I mean, Doc gave – Doc and the Clippers organization gave him a new deal this year. So uh, I would think, yeah, maybe Zubac's a nice buy low candidate. Yeah. I mean, you got Montrezl Harrell. Uh, I don't know if, you know, we can see a big usage in minutes for him. Like he's always, he's, he's not going to get more than like, you know, 25 minutes uh, per game. So Harrell, you know, Zubac, those guys, you know, I, I think that there's definitely value in DFS. They're going to have big nights for you. Uh, same with Lou Williams, especially, you know, just like we're talking about, uh, Kawhi isn't going to play every game. And that's a good point that they might just do the same thing with Paul George and and, and he might play around 65 games. Um, but you're right that he's, if I had to bet between the two, Kawhi and PG, PG would probably play more. But on any given night, maybe both of them don't play. And then if you have Lou Williams and you're season long, you're very happy about that. Oh, yeah. Lou Williams is a great play again. I mean, he's 
six man of the year candidate no matter what, and he's gonna light it up every time he steps on the floor. And uh, I mean, what do you what do you think their end of the game lineup is gonna be when they have everybody? Like I think it's gonna be like it's gonna be like Beverly, Lou, Kawhi, PG, and then Harold. Don't you think? Yeah, I think it'll be Harold um, unless Zubac has just like a really big, uh, you know, showing and they can't just help but put him on the floor. Um, they still, I, 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 Harold's definitely I, still their primary big. Yeah, I mean, but Zubac gives them the better defensive presence with the length, right? Harold's a shorter kind of guy um, at that position. Um, yeah, yeah, but Harold brings that energy. Oh, he definitely brings the energy. I yeah. No question. No question. I just think that, you know, Zubac I think I agree with you. It'll be Harold, but if they want to play a defensive, uh, they would probably put Zubac in there just for the size. Uh, but I think Landry Shamit is a guy we got to talk about um, as being like the the starting two guard. I mean, who's going to start at that two guard spot? Yeah, he should, and I I know Doc loves him, and yeah, I bet he does start at the two because they're not going to bring Lou into the starting five ever. He's he's made for off the bench. So yeah, Landry Shamit could be viable. Um, He'll probably be really cheap in DFS to start the year, so I could see him being viable if he gets 25 to 30 minutes, but it all depends on what they want to do because they might give Lou 30 or 35, which would cut into Shandit. Yeah, And we can't forget they also got uh, Mo Harkless, which kind of hurts. That definitely hurts Shandit. Yeah, I wonder what they'll do with Harkless there. I, I see him kind of being a bench guy, uh, kind of coming in for – and then, you know, that's a good call on Harkless because any game that Kawhi misses, it looks like that he would be – Right in that role. Next right? man up, for sure. Yeah, he would be the next man up in there. So that's that's a good call um, there. And, you know, I think Harkless is a guy who we haven't seen the best of yet. We've kind of seen flashes. But now he's really going to sh- uh, shine in this situation with the Clippers. So that's a good call with Harkless. I think Shaman and Harkless are both uh, good options. Um, you know, they might be just like kind of waiver wire pieces and si- situational pieces um, for your team. Both decent DFS-placed uh depending on the situation, depending on the matchup. Yeah, there's – like we keep saying it, there's going to be so many different situations for this Clippers team, I think, this year. Right. Any, any given game, you're going to have a different five, I feel like. Right, so. exactly, exactly. And uh, any, nothing against them with that, but that's just the way it is. Oh, most definitely. And, and like Landry Shaman to, to Doc and the Clippers, I mean, he's basically what J.J. Redick was. He's in that same role, same type of player, uh, just younger – um, but he's going to, you know, I think he's going to have a nice value. When both of those guys are on the floor with Kawhi and PG, he's going to be wide open for threes. He could really have some big games with like five, six three-pointers in a game. Um, so, yeah, he'll, he'll have nice games. Yeah, he, no one's going to be worrying about him. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, they yeah. Really have no choice. <laughs> yeah. No, they don't have a choice, exactly. And, yeah. and that's kind of a common uh, commonality with all of these teams that we're talking about. There's just stars studded, and, you know, you can't guard everybody. Um, so exactly yeah so who else did we not talk about any other teams that you wanted to talk about before we get out of here uh the pelicans for sure yeah let's talk about the pelicans so brandon ingram talk to me is he is he ready to go here is he a fantasy stud in 2019 uh i don't wouldn't say he's a stud but uh i definitely think he's gonna put up solid numbers he's always been a decent usage guy and i don't really think that's gonna change in new orleans i think he's gonna fit in pretty nicely with this team but uh I still think this is Drew Holiday's team. Uh, he's going to handle the ball less with Lonzo Ball, but I still think that Drew ends up leading his team in usage, even with Zion in town. So. Yeah, no, I love Holiday this year. I think that's a great – that's that's the Pelican that I'm going to be targeting um, is Holiday. 
Uh, do you, if you can you pull up his ADP real quick because I th- I know that he's going to be cheaper than Zion, and I would rather take if I had to choose I would I would take Holiday over Zion. Zion's going to be a second round pick. He might even be late first round pick depending on your draft. I mean, if you're in a draft and there's someone that's crazy about Zion, he could easily go in the in the back end of the first just because the hype is is real. Yeah, Drew Holiday's ADP on Yahoo is 18.6 and then I got and I got Zion at 28.7. Oh wow, okay. So Holiday's going ahead of Zion. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's tough. At 18, man, man. That is yeah, so you're going to have to get Holiday at a second round pick. Um yeah, maybe there's some value there with Zion. I don't know. Um I I I would still think Holiday is a good play for you because He's just so consistent. He's going to fill up the stat sheet for you as long as he's healthy. So I love Holiday this year. Um, uh, yeah, I think Drew's. I think Drew's going to have another great year. He had a, a career year last year. Um, he averaged forty-one point two eight DK points per game, and his usage was at twenty-five point eight. And I don't really see that changing that much, even though they got new faces. And uh, I mean, at that, I'm not the biggest Zion fan, but at twenty-eight point seven, he seems like a pretty good value. Maybe a little overvalued, but. With uh, AD and Julius Randle gone, there's a ton of usage to go around in this front court. So if Zion can stay healthy, I think he'll put up pretty good numbers. But I don't. Twenty eight point seven seems right, correct? But I, I I might gamble on him there. Yeah, that that's, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be the worst pick you can make. I mean, I, I think that's pretty decent value for him. So Zion- I was expecting I was expecting it to be under 20 i thought he'd be like edp of 16 or something people love that <laughs> so but no, yeah, exactly like you know it's going to be you, you can't predict really where he's going to go in drafts but if he's in the back end of that third round yeah i'll take a shot in the third round for on zion williams i mean i mean the guys around him are john collins right uh ayton mitchell uh chris paul so but there's a guy but he's getting drafted ahead of draymond i might favor draymond over zion um Another interesting name right there is Porzingis, who we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, just sticking with this Pelicans team, what are your thoughts with Lonzo? Is, is, I mean, it's Holiday's team. Lonzo comes in. I imagine they'll start him at the – Yeah, he, he, he should start at the one. Drew will go to the two. Okay. And then they'll go Ingram at three, probably uh, Zion – and then uh, who's their five? Why am I drawing a blank? Derek Favors? Uh, no, they, yeah, Derek Favors, yep. Yeah, I think that'll be their five. And I, I think Lonzo's an okay buy. I think he's going to be underpriced once we start the year in DFS. I think he'll be viable that way because he's going to play heavy minutes. And once oh, – always when ball plays heavy minutes, he does well. He'll get you rebounds and assists. But I wouldn't say he's going to, like, break out in this normal situation. The usage that Ingram, Zion, and Drew command are going to take away from – Lonzo's ceiling 31.8 fantasy points per 36 minutes last year uh I would say that's probably around the same that he'll get this year I don't see it increasing or decreasing necessarily no Um, me either yeah I mean yeah like you know Lonzo I I don't think people are very high on him so you might get some value there if he's if he's the starting point guard he's definitely a forgotten name I think yeah, he's becoming that for sure. Uh, another name that I just want to throw out there is Jackson Hayes, man. I love that guy. <laughs> I think he's going to be awesome. Um, there you go. Yeah. I don't know if he's fantasy relevant, but like, I don't know. Like I'm not very confident that Derek favors is going to be the starting center for this team for 82 games. 
Yeah, um, he's not going to be. They're absolutely not. Favors will miss games. Favors doesn't play over 25 minutes a night. And they also uh, – I didn't really understand it, but they waived Christian Wood. Right. Um, so he's gone. Um, like I said, AD and Randall are gone. So there's definitely a lot of minutes to soak up in that center spot, even though Favors is around. But like you said, to your point, he's going to miss time for sure. Yeah, I think Jackson Hayes is a great, like, flyer at the end of draft because if he finds himself in any sort of starting role or maybe 20-plus minutes a night, that's just great value uh, with, like, the last round of your, with your, of your draft. And he's going to be a plug-and-play in the night's favors is out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I think Jackson Hayes is going to be great. Um, you know, you got to temper the expectations a little bit. He's a rookie. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, we're not sure exactly how he's going to fit in. He – definitely showed out in the summer league um you know that's never a a good resource to use for when you're drafting fantasy players but i mean it's still you know it's still something to consider i think jackson hayes has a good future ahead of him um so you want to talk some Mavs before we get out of here al i think mavs are like the last team yeah okay cool uh, let's talk about the mavs um where does it start for you uh it starts with me is that porzingis signed that max deal he was going to gamble on himself and play this year out and then be afraid of next summer. But uh, Mark Cuban obviously convinced him that Dallas is a good situation and they gave him the max money. And I think he's going to be healthy right out of the gate. It's going to be really interesting to see how him and Luca work. But Luca's such a good playmaker that he finally has someone that can score inside. I mean, Dwight Powell and um, what's his name? Maxi Kleebler. They're all right. Solid big men, but they're bringing Porzingis into the fold is a whole different ball game. And uh, I think Porzingis, He's definitely someone you could target in season long, depending on his ADP. His ADP is 33.5, which is right in the area we've been talking about with Zion and Draymond. I, I prefer Draymond that range, but I think Porzingis is a pretty good buy there. And I, I think he'll open the year at like eight grand on DK and probably be a solid bet if they let him play 35 minutes a night right to start. Do we see Luca see an increase in fantasy? I I, I feel like his usage has to go down a little bit, but that doesn't mean his assist rate won't go up. He, right. like I said, like I said, he finally has someone he could, you know, kick it up. Porzingis can go outside and shoot, and he can also score inside way better than any other option that um, Lucas played with yet. I mean, no offense to Dirk last year, but he, Porzingis is a completely different level now. So I, I think his assist rates might go up and his usage will go down, but I think it will level out to being almost the same production fantasy was. Did they acquire anybody at the point guard? Um, I mean, they – Yeah, Dillon, Dillon right? Do you, do you project him to be the starter there? Yeah. I think they'll start Dillon Wright, um, and then they'll do Luca at the two, probably Justin Dac Jackson at the three, Porzingis at the four, and then I think they'll still start to wipe out. Justin Jackson, huh? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, so just sticking with – Devon Wright, uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm looking at him as he could actually take some of that away from Luka. Um, he's going to be a good player. And th this is a guy that could break out this season. Yeah, and they they signed him to a three-year deal. So they're obviously committed to making Devon Wright a big part of this offense. And uh, Devon Wright was great last year once he went to Memphis in the uh, Valanciunas deal. Um once he was on Memphis in the last 20 games of the season, he averaged 31.9 DK points per game. Um, given that Conley missed a lot of that time, Justin Jackson, um, Jaron Jackson, sorry, missed a lot of that time. There's a lot of injuries that Memphis had of that. 
in that stretch that in that stretch but Dylan Ray was still a solid fantasy producer I mean he's always the biggest one of the biggest factors in him getting paid yeah definitely he made his payday by his time in Memphis right and he he was always fantasy relevant in the games that Lowry missed in uh Toronto yep and uh his current ADP is 92.7 so I I love Dylan Ray at that range that's a great buy I mean some of these point guards you know you you can get earlier on uh you could just weighed on right. I mean, yes, it is kind of like we're projecting for the future. You haven't really seen him in this role. We don't even know if they are going to use him as the starting point guard at this point. It looks to be the case just because of every other option they've got. Um, they, of course, could start Luca at the one. I don't think that's what they want to do. So, yeah, Dylan Wright is a great buy at that ADP. That's a good call. Uh, I think we're still waiting on Dwight Powell. We saw flashes last year kind of in um, – you know, there wasn't there was a lot of injuries for this team, uh, so he kind of got an expanded usage. Uh, is he anybody you're looking at in season long? Uh, not in season long, but he'll be viable DFS wise. Yeah, it kind of depends. It kind of depends on how Rick Carlisle wants to do it. If it, it like I said, um, back to my point of if they open the season with Port Zegan's full strength and they're going to let all systems go with him, there's a good chance that Dwight Powell doesn't play over 25 minutes because then they'll play Porzingis at the five. Even though they'll start him at the four, he'll end up being that primary big in a small ball lineup. So it, it kind of depends on the way they manage Porzingis, I think, if Dwight Powell is fantasy relevant. But I don't, I don't think I'd really target him in season long, though. But uh, real quick, uh, Dylan Wright's ADP has moved to 97.5, so it's even got worse. Um, wow. And the guys getting drafted in his range are Gary Harris, DeJounte Murray coming off missing a year, uh, Jared Allen, Jeff Teague. And I'm going to put you on the clock real quick. Would you take Dellen Wright or Kyle Kuzma? Because they're basically the same ADP. I would take Wright. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Absolutely. I favor the point guard usually. Uh, so yeah. that's, yeah, that's kind of the bias there just because I, I want the point guard in, in fantasy basketball. Um, yeah, I, I think Dylan Wright is getting slept on. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, no. Uh, good stuff, Al. Uh, tell the folks uh, real quick where they can find you on Twitter and what you got coming up for them this season. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hunter512. Um, I'm going to be putting on my DraftKings picks every day, mostly six to seven days a week. And I'm also going to be contributing on this pod and at expandthebockscore.com. And uh, every night I try to put out all the NBA-relevant news and if I think something is important and how it changes the situation in DFS and how I'm going to attack it, I'd like to put it on Twitter. So follow me and I'll try to keep you up to date all season long. Yeah. If you play DFS basketball, uh, there's no reason not to follow Al. Uh, and if you're not, you're just not going to do as well. It's as simple as that. Uh, so get on that, follow Al and read those articles that he's going to be pumping out in DraftKings. Uh, on behalf of Al Hunter, my name is Steven Taroni. Be on the lookout for our next show. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time on the Pick and Roll 